You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Hello once again. This is Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central, and I'm here with um, Enios. They're a bioinformatics spin-off from the National Hellenic Research Foundation, and I've got three gentlemen in front of them. They're all doctors, and all I'm going to say this word: bioinformaticians. They all have that in common. But Aristotelis Hadzioanu is also an electrical and computer engineer. Lefteris Pilalis is a biochemist, and Ioannis Valavanis, who's also a computer engineer. Okay, so first of all, welcome, and thank you for this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we'll be, there's three of them, so we'll be passing the microphone around, and hopefully we'll have a good recording. Um, so, Ioannis, let's start with you. Tell okay. me what your startup does. Uh, Enius, our startup, um, is developing... Uh, solutions for uh, intelligent uh, genomic data analysis. So we actually built uh, computational workflows that uh, will be available uh, in the internet, will be sold uh, mostly on a software as a, software as a service basis, and uh, actually will uh, analyze uh, raw data, uh, molecular raw data, actually data that has been obtained from uh, uh, the lab, the biology lab, and uh, our workflow will uh, analyze these uh, try to derive uh, complex uh, relations uh, among uh, the data that the user has uploaded, and uh, finally uh, provide a detailed report with uh, all the uh, enlightening all the background uh, of genes uh, beneath uh, the phenotype uh, study uh, studied, and actually uh, provide a, a list of uh, uh, biomarkers, actually molecular targets. Uh, prioritized uh, according to their importance, uh, so as they are, so as to be uh, further used by the clinician or the researcher using our tool. Okay, so Aristoteles, really quickly, it's a stupid question. How did you think about it? But keep it short. How did you think where you are now, and funding-wise? Just tell me really quickly at what stage, and then so we can move on. Uh, well, at the moment. You spoke about funding. Uh, at the moment, we have received funding from uh, Venture Capital, uh, the PJ Tech, uh, and uh, actually, we are on the way. Uh, the development phase is going very, very well, uh, and actually, we are on our way uh, for beginning the second round in a few months. And uh, but it's all that I can say for the moment. Okay, so I gather it's a lot of big data. It's genomics. It's it's very it's multi-omics, okay. all sorts of omics. Okay, so it's it's obvious why you selected to be concern, considering what you guys have studied and where you started out from. But there's something unique that I haven't seen in any other startup here in Greece. You're a spin-off from a research center. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I find that very rare because you usually I get I do a lot of interviews with researchers. But they're really stuck in the lab. They've got these amazing ideas, but I don't see them doing any business. What's different about you? Uh, well, to begin with, we are computer engineers. We are computer engineers. And, uh, well, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily a difference, but actually being an engineer brings, brings you in a way... I mean, uh, there are certain com- concepts in the mentality of an engineer that uh, make much more... Uh, make 
friendlier for him uh, to develop solutions that are somehow pervasive. So we are really inclined to seeing our relation with the market in a way. Uh, but I wouldn't say that this is the that was a focal point for us. Perhaps that was something for our chemistry. Uh, the important stuff uh, that really made the transition from the field of basic research to that of, uh, of innovation uh, really had to do with the difficult period that we are facing and the fact that we really need to find a good solution to keep up uh, really funding our research but also in a way that uh, creates solution for the future. And uh, that's uh, what really we try to do. It's an ongoing project. Uh, we are also, another thing could be that we are pretty young, all of us. So we really uh, want to create something for the future, also for our career future. Okay, so Lefteris, uh, M-Health, E-Health is hot, big data is hot. So you seem to have both legs in all of this. Where do you see your start of your spin-off going into the future? What are people going to be talking about you? What's hot about you? Uh, I think uh, our uh, specialization by informatics, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, due to our long research uh, that we have been carrying uh, for many years. So uh, we have de developed... Um, uh, a unique field of expertise that combines uh, biology with uh, mathematics, engineering, and uh, we were a multidisciplinary team. And I think we can uh, advance, we can make advances in, uh, in the field in, in many ways. Okay, obviously you are multidisciplinary. I'll come back to you, Yanis. I think uh, you're the guy stuck with explaining all the technical stuff about how it works. Okay. So, um, thank you. First of all, you did send me material to read up because I'm mm -hmm. not in your field, yeah, so true. I can understand a lot of things. Nice. So, you've you got to sort of be technical about it and explain exactly how you work with biomarkers. You know, just get the nitty-gritty. What is it that you actually do? Yeah, so uh, imagine uh, yourself uh, being a researcher and uh, have already uh, collected uh, your uh, data from the lab. So you have uh, a dozen of uh, patients and a dozen of uh, uh, healthy people for cancer, let's say, uh, a phenotype you uh, wish. So you have uh, uh, collected from your machines in the lab uh, some uh, thousands of uh, measurements uh, describing uh, the gene expression for each of the patients or mm -hmm. uh, health people. So uh, the user can actually upload this data to our uh, system. It's a cloud-based uh, system that can support uh, either microarray or uh, next-generation sequencing data that is uh, several gigabytes per uh, sample. So the user can upload uh, these uh, files to our system, uh, then our workflow uh, will start uh, running, uh, employing all uh, uh, the sophisticated algorithms that we have uh, uh, constructed many years now, uh, from data mining, from uh, uh, artificial intelligence, from uh, statistics, from uh, bio databases. So it will uh, process uh, the data and uh, come up with uh, what we call 
pathways, mm -hmm. so actually uh, mappings between uh, genes and uh, certain processes that are triggered uh, from uh, towards the phenotype that you want to study. So we uh, give you back uh, the list of uh, a list of most uh, important pathways that uh, uh, are actually triggering the phenotype, the cancer, for example, and also we give you back uh, the, a very uh, short list of genes from the big, the rough list that you have uploaded to our system that actually is uh, the backbone of uh, uh, molecular mechanism that uh, are, uh, that uh, the phenotype is due to. So we give you back uh, in the final report uh, a list of prioritized list of genes that uh, you get uh, these one by one mm -hmm. and uh, you go, out, go your um, research one step further by uh, studying each one uh, and uh, try to employ it in your diagnostic uh, test, a novel diagnostic test, or use it in the field of uh, repositioning a drug. Actually, this is actually using a drug already has, that already has passed the trials. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, reuse it for your uh, phenotype okay. or your disease. I get it. Study. You gave a quite simple explanation. Um, although I get a lot of questions, so I've been watching Aristotle is nodding his head all along, so he'll respond to my next question. I did read that it could not be just one biomarker, but it could be many biomarkers, a network that leads to this pathway. So I understand you try to help discover diseases, for example, if I'm saying it simply, mm -hmm. but are you also, try, can you also discover ther therapy for these diseases? Are there information like that that you can derive? Well, actually, uh, the whole thing, I mean, studying the molecular complexity uh, is a complex thing by itself. So in this sense, uh, we should uh, really uh, sort out uh, some of the concepts. It's another thing, the clinical biomarker and it's another thing, the molecular biomarker set, which is mostly a set, a mm -hmm. set of molecules which play a role and that which actually could be used in order to better predict uh, a differential behavior be between the different states. Uh, this is this type of molecular biomarker set is more, uh, much more close to the concept of genetic signature, which which could actually be a, a complex set of signatures, not necessarily molecules that are genes, but actually it could be a combination of genes, proteins, or even networks of mm -hmm. genes, or even networks of metabolism. Uh, so uh, our analytical approach uh, might more or less play with all of these uh, types. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be customized to do different things, and. Of course, the final goal is to be able to deliver uh, a handful of molecules that could serve as potential clinical biomarkers. Because take, for instance, uh, take into consideration uh, when we speak about diseases that we really need to have very, very simple ways uh, of uh, checking patients uh, and actually being able to say with very, very good accuracy whether this patient really suffers from the disease or not. And so uh, the important thing is the specificity. So we really need to be able to announce or to 
potentially uh, put a person uh, in the process of examining, of testing himself for a disease, uh, which is a big, big nuisance. And uh, then, of course, it's the matter of the sensitivity. So to say uh, in, this, in this aspect, it's very, very important to be pretty, pretty precise uh, in the molecules that we will select uh, for the final clinical evaluation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why our methodology uh, was built from the beginning with the concept of the prioritization in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we are able in this way to, let's say, delineate the important biological features that take place and are, are critically related with a disease, let's say. But also we have the involvement of the genes that are related with not just one, but with many of these cellular processes. And actually we are able in the end to prioritize these molecules, not only to their expression, but also to their invol involvement to many, uh, let's say, differentially behaving cellular processes, and also to their master regulatory role. So there are many genes which are actually playing a role in many, many things within the cell. So these are, mm -hmm. let's say, it's our assumption that these could be much more rational as potential targets because even slight differences in their function might have a dramatic effect yeah. due to the nonlinearity and the high complexity of biological systems. So they could have an enormous effect to, let's say, to the final phenotypic uh, uh, manifestation, I mean, of a disease or not. Just listening to you, I actually got this picture of people in the future, like 10 years from now, put, putting their finger in some place where, uh, some spot that you will have, you will have, I'm talking about your mm -hmm. startup, mm -hmm. where I get pricked, get some blood, and suddenly you give me back my result. Um, I don't know if this is, I, I, I read a lot about it. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in getting rid of the doctors or the people that interpret data. Mm -hmm. But it looks like one day you will be able to do this because when you've collected all this data and you've got all these analytics, artificial intelligence, you, you can do the whole thing. Why shouldn't I just go like to an ATM where you get a little bit of blood, my blood sample and I know within seconds or minutes if I'm sick of something? This is definitely something that will take place in a few years. I mean, starting, it could be a few years to a few decades depending on the type of pathology that we will uh, really focus. Uh, actually, for certain pathologies, there are prototypes uh, that are really promising to do that. Uh, I would say even in the few, let's say, in, in five or six years. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how much, how tangible it will be to really provide that as a, you know, as a sound and robust service mm -hmm. for, every for, for every person. But actually, I think that uh, developing this type of advanced analytical methods uh, is a very, very safe way in order to promote even the development of very, very uh, intriguing concepts in the field of nanotechnology. Mm -hmm. As long as you have very powerful analytical methods to analyze all this data, this is also a kind of a very, very tricky stuff uh, mm -hmm. for the let's say for the researchers in the field of nanotechnology to come up with much more, uh, let's say, innovative methodologies or innovative concepts in the field of nanotechnologies in order to build nanosensors, in order, in order to be 
things that would be extremely high throughput, so we mm -hmm. collect thousands or even millions of measurements, and to do that real time. Obviously, you're at the beginning. You just scratched the surface. Lefteri, mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question a little bit on ethics. You're collecting a lot of data. You will be collecting even humongous amount, and this is sensitive data. It's about human beings. Are you, obviously, um, you've got a, probably got these closures or some, you're covered behind the law as to what you're responsible of. But I just want to, I want, as a founder, are you worried? Are you sure about the data you're receiving? It's, for me, data is power. And this is power that you will have. Uh, yes, uh, so uh, th there are a lot of challenges in, uh, in the field of ethics and uh, there will be more as uh, more data are collected. Uh, until now, uh, data can be uh, uh, anonymous, so it's not uh, a really a problem mm -hmm. uh, because we don't have access to, uh, to patient information. Uh, we, only, uh, we have uh, access only to, to genomic profiles. So the, uh, the responsibility for the clinical practice mm -hmm. uh, remains to, to the doctor, okay. uh, to, the, to the medical doctor. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but let's say, um, just put a hypothetical question, somebody wanting to manipulate the system or manipulate your own system. Um, and they they create false information. What happens with that? How do you test it? How do you know? I, I gather that you might not be that responsible, but let's say, for example, that he's giving you wrong data, and then you suddenly go out and say, oh, we've discovered that kind of cancer, for example. And it's not true because he manipulated the data. That's what I'm asking. Yes, uh, I think uh, there is a danger. Uh, in uh, future automated applications of, of these technologies, because now, now it's not uh, very automated, the whole process, uh, maybe uh, advanced uh, systems in cryptography will be needed, mm -hmm. uh, combined with uh, all uh, with a transfer of uh, genomic data. Aristotele, I think you also wanted to complete something on that. I saw you. Well, I actually would say that uh, from the technical point of view, uh, there are already, uh, let's say, very innovative uh, data scrambling methods in order to do that. So this provides lots of safety. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but speaking for the future, I mean, uh, because you actually mentioned the, the, the issue of uh, fabrication of data uh, in order to derive, uh, let's say, in order to to spoil mm -hmm. the data that we that that, that we have in mind. Uh, actually, one uh, very very good thing, uh, which actually leave us the space to develop defensive methods in order to be able to test the data and be able to know whether these data are valid or not, uh, is the fact that uh, the data that we speak about have an enormous dimensionality. So it's not that easy to tamper them and uh, really create realistic data. You know, we, it's very, very difficult to somehow uh, steal mm -hmm. without uh, getting caught. There will be some patterns which will highlight that these data are not real data. Obviously, patterns that you will or have already included in your analytics and uh, of course, in your tools. I mean, the, the, there are patterns that our analytic methods uh, 
and not just ours, uh, all the powerful analytic methods can really di discover. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't think that really I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so much afraid of uh, tampering the data with in that sense. That could be a problem perhaps for the very, very remote future when there will be uh, much more, let's say, intelligent methods in really devising data sets. Okay, I, I, it's, it's good that you say this because mm -hmm. people, simple human beings, us that will listen to what you're doing, obviously are worried what is being done with our data. I would worry too. I mean, uh, before some years or before I knew from my involvement how difficult it is to really uh, to tamper this data and uh, really uh, make them sa seem realistic. Okay, so Yanis. Um, I want your opinion on something also. So obviously this is going to be changing medicine in the future. And I'm talking future, I'm talking like two years or three years, I see mm -hmm. a lot of huge changes. Personalized prescriptions just for you after analyzing your genome. Um, but if I was going to ask you to draw, to imagine how in five years how you see the future of medicine being, just tell us things you see with all this knowledge that you have accumulated right now and the position you are, just you know, sort of predict where you see medicine being in five years from now. Yes. Uh, uh, imagine that uh, 10 years ago we were uh, talking about uh, uh, microarrays. That was uh, about uh, uh, 30,000 uh, measurements per uh, person. Uh, now we're uh, talking about uh, uh, the whole genome. It could be up to 100 uh, gigabytes per sample. Uh, there's also research done that uh, it, it uh, could study um, expression and mutation on a cell basis. Mm -hmm. uh, so even from a single cell, have uh, uh, the molecular behavior at this uh, uh, microscopic uh, level, I would say. So uh, the future is going to go uh, on what we call uh, system biology, already here, but uh, in a very uh, detailed uh, uh, level. So there, will, there are going to be uh, several, several measurements, uh, diverse measurements, uh, also um, measurements from different levels. For example, imagine uh, combining uh, features from imaging, MRI, scans, uh, together with uh, uh, molecular profiles. This, so we're now uh, doing research and we're developing solutions on what we call uh, integrative uh, medicine. So uh, this go there's going to be an era where a uh, lot of formation from different level is ha will have to be combined by mm -hmm. using uh, tools uh, like the ones we uh, construct. You're creating. So yeah. is it right to think that um, really soon you will just go into a doctor's office, there will be analysis on the spot, maybe even some um, therapy right there because it will be so quick. Will medicine become quicker? Because you know, it, it, when, you, when your doctor sort of thinks you have something and then they let you go back home, you get double sick because you're worrying about what mm -hmm. your problem is. Well, this actually depends on uh, 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 the mentality and the way that doctors actually in clinical practice are going to utilize our results. 
research is uh, going to provide back the results that could uh, help uh, get a very uh, quick um, uh, clinical um, result. result. So how much is the distance between research and doctors and medicine, classical medicine? Uh, it's, it's a dumb question. I know, I know that um, doctors are having issues um, taking on all this new technology, all this new stuff happening, but I'd like to hear your take, so let's start with you, Yanni. What do you think? Is there a big distance? I, I think it's going to change, but yeah, tell me your opinion. To, yeah, I think it's going to change. Um, I think that uh, people, medical doctors that actually uh, do research, it will be much easier for them to yeah. uh, fill uh, this gap, the gap for uh, uh, molecular medicine actually applied in uh, uh, clinical practice. But I'm not really sure if uh, doctors... Uh, for example, doctors I know from uh, the Greek uh, med uh, medicinal uh, system are going to be willing to adopt uh, mm -hmm. our uh, methods and our results in, in an actual uh, clinical practice. I'm not really sure for that. It will happen, but not very soon. Aristoteles, your opinion? Uh, well, I think that we are really running time of changes. Uh, but uh, so in times of change, uh, there are people who are adapt, people who really fall behind, and uh, somehow the concepts that are really support are dying out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that, like in every phenomenon of life, uh, those who adapt are innovative by nature. Uh, they are triggered to do that because they really see some problems, mm -hmm. and uh, they really need to answer to some very, very, you know, pressing question. Uh, to, in order to be direct, I would say that uh, actually I would expect that uh, in the near future many of the doctors will uh, really react positively mm -hmm. because uh, actually this type of analysis that we are doing at this moment and which is some uh, how pretty laborious for them in order to integrate it in their concepts, in mm -hmm. their, you know, in their decision analysis pipeline. Uh, well, with the maturation of our uh, approaches, it will be much, much easier for them to integrate what is important, which is a very, very uh, direct and uh, an ambiguous explanation of what is going on at mm -hmm. the clinical setting and a very, very insightful recommendation for therapy. Uh, people who are also from the type of molecular analysis that we are running, because we have played a lot with many types of cancer data sets, for instance, uh, when we are playing with epidemiological data sets, we really can see from uh, the type of, let's say, of diversity that the cancer phenotype presents to, you know, to the, to the epidemiological setting uh, that are many, many uh, very useful uh, instructions that you can get mm -hmm. from the analysis, from the molecular signatures, from the molecular profiles with respect to the potential therapeutic guidelines that could be adopted for a certain uh, person. Uh, at the moment, it's not that easy for uh, clinical doctors 
to have, I mean, to be able to see that. Mm -hmm. But the people who are involved in molecular medicine yeah. do already know that. And that's why genomic signatures have already become to be used broadly and more broadly all the time uh, with respect to several neoplasias. Okay, it's growing. So, um, obviously we will never stop about this conversation. There's a lot of things. I'll just do two last questions. One, let's go back to your startup. What's the difference of being in Greece compared to being abroad? Would you want to be abroad? Absolutely. Well, I could be Personal speaking, uh, wherever uh, I mean, be, I mean, you know, opportunities. wherever it would be better for my startup. Okay. But uh, on the other hand, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to sound, you know, very negative and pessimistic because it's a very, very strange period for uh, Greece, and uh, you know, and Greek society. So are we are, I think we are having the experience of living abroad. I would say that uh, should people know how difficult it is to be. Uh, integrated in foreign society, in their cultures, and also to live as a real, uh, as a full uh, member of this society. Mm -hmm. I would say that uh, there are many, many things that we could do in, in order to improve the situation here in Greece. And I speak also from the business point of view. There are certain advantages. Okay. It's not the cost. It's not, it, it is the, it, it's not just the cost. I mean, the fact that we are now very cheap with respect to other European countries, but actually it's the fact that we have certain cultural co concepts, like for instance, this pressure to have very good education, mm -hmm. and actually Greek society has really m managed to bring up children which at a certain point of their life getting educated, mm -hmm. and uh, it's also, we are really very, very close to the European way of doing and perceiving things. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, what we really miss is the visibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is uh, something that we can uh, very easily sense even in the field of science. It's much more difficult, even if you develop something good, you know, to, to attract the attention yeah. of other people of, I mean, of groups or people or uh, services. Or oh, your uh, peers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who are really taking place, uh, I mean, which are taking place in other countries. And, uh, on, another, and on another concept, uh, it's also very, very difficult to do that. It's not just in science. It's uh, even more difficult to do that in the, in the world of business. So people are somehow reluctant to, to trust. It's, a, it's more of a matter of trust to, uh, I mean, so the customers, the companies from abroad would be more skeptical to, let's say, uh, cooperate, collaborate with, uh, a Greek Greek, company. Oh. with Greek companies because they would think that many things could go astray, which, which is not necessarily the case. Yeah, I agree with that. Yanni, I think in, I want you to explain something in your team. Um, I think yes. you do marketing? Well, yeah, you, you're scientists, yeah, but I'm, it seems you're trying to catch up yeah, with all these yeah. other things that usually yeah, a startup so, has, but you don't have in your team. Do you have a, you have a marketeer in your team, for example, who does marketing? Yeah, I'm the one that uh, <laughs> so I was actually right. is now driving uh, the first uh, marketing uh, steps. Okay, it's so what are you doing? For, for your type of startup. Just tell us a few things that you find um, 
really nice and really good for your startup that you're doing. Uh, you anything. mean uh, in terms of uh, marketing and? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's say we've got another company that's just like yours, a startup, and is listening right now, and they don't have a marketeer neither. What would you suggest they do? First, uh, get the marketeer. <laughs> this is the first thing. And, so okay, uh, they don't yeah, have money for that. So, and yes, if they cannot uh, afford it, um, they have to uh, get one of the three, four co-founders, and uh, recruit him towards this direction. So um, myself, I had the chance to uh, get some uh, uh, a series of seminars that was uh, offered by. Uh, Okay, let's say the, the National, uh, the Hellenic Federation of Enterprises that okay. actually so you followed a few uh, courses, encouraged our uh, steps. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, the chance to get uh, uh, some plant information for now, and um, I'm trying to um, uh, feel actual to play this role. So the first thing was. Uh, to actually uh, be sure and confident about uh, the competitors and uh, the other products and the um, uh, pricing uh, policy that uh, we had to uh, adopt. We are now actually on uh, working on that uh, intensively uh, since we are going to um, um, have uh, some new products running from uh, mm -hmm. two months from now. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it was uh, a combination of uh, some prior actual information that I got through these seminars and uh, actually working intensively, you know, uh, searching uh, in the internet, uh, okay. also who have uh, some um, orientations and pieces of advices by some external uh, people working uh, with us that are actually um, from the network, from the funding scheme that we got the money, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the first. So uh, you got mentoring. Round. Yeah, yeah. sort of uh, mentoring in that. But uh, I'm really sure that uh, in some months from now that we will be able to afford uh, a new market year, and uh, I will go back to the science. <laughs> yeah, I think Aristoteles mentioned something about funding, so we'll see. Um, Lefteris, what do you do? Since, since you're the biochemist, what exactly do you do in the team? Uh, to, to be honest, I started from biochemistry, uh, but I was uh, specialized by informatics. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we all have uh, overlapping uh, capabilities. We, all, uh, we are all pro programming mm -hmm. and uh, uh, doing uh, statistics, mathematics. But uh, this, uh, we separated the responsibilities uh, just for, uh, for the beginning. So I was charged uh, with the technology aspect. Okay. Uh, th that means, uh, due to our, my background in biochemistry combined with bioinformatics, uh, I, I, I supervise the, the technical aspects, programming of of the back, of the back end, uh, front end, uh, with uh, the he the help of our collaborators as well, uh, deployment on uh, on the cloud, uh, etc. Okay, one of the most common things, and sort of my last question for Aristoteles is, usually when you see startups, you see all these photos, the founders together, they really haven't done anything, but they're on the newspapers. So what kind, yours is not obviously B2C, so you're not into that. 
your B2B, but um, what, what, what are you doing about publicity? How are you getting word out about what you're doing? Because I'm guessing that your biggest customers are probably across the ocean. So what are you doing about that? What would you suggest is a good approach? Uh, well, that, that's an open question. Actually, I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the, our biggest customer would be, uh, you know, on the other uh, on the other edge of the ocean. But uh, I would say that even Europe ha- can have many, many important customers. And actually, through our involvement uh, and our long-term commitment to research, we have built let's say, uh, good connections through our scientific networks, which might be a way mm-hmm. to, you know, to, spro- to spread the info about our activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, another uh, important source of customers, I think, would be uh, this area, uh, well, I wouldn't say the Balkans, actually, would say more, uh, this area of the Middle East, where are lots of research activities taking place and actually the whole area uh, is undergo- undergoing a massive upgrade uh, mm-hmm. of their research capabilities and they have most importantly lots of money to support that so but in order to be able to attract customers from that part uh, it would be important to get the accreditation mm-hmm. of uh, the toughest uh, markets, mm-hmm. markets which are of course the markets of countries like the States or uh, mm-hmm. the big technological powers of Europe, Germany, Scandinavian countries, Netherlands, and etc. As long as we are able to, to support services and uh, develop customers in these markets, I think it will be much, much easier for us to attract many more customers from uh, other countries like Turkey, the Arabic countries, which really are developing this type of needs, I mean, uh, of modern, you know, needs in the, concept, in the context of molecular medicine, but which really need to take some, uh, uh, they really need to uh, support the decision in selecting us through some sort of accreditation. And this accreditation will be the fact that we are already mm-hmm. internationally renowned for what we are doing. Okay, so I think we're going to wrap it up. It actually, mm-hmm. we've been doing an interview for about 40 minutes, which is much more than I initially mm-hmm. thought it would be. Um, we'll, we'll, we will repeat this because obviously I see you being in a completely different space in about a year. Mm-hmm. So first of all, thank you. But before we go, Jan, as you will tell us where they can find more information about you, some website. Yes, of course. And uh, I know you're updating it, so it's not bad to say that. <laughs> oh. You can always uh, visit our website, www.enius.com. Uh, you can also I think there's a slash in Enius, E-N-E slash N-I-O-S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't say, I'll go to somebody else's website. We'll put the link on. You can always Google it. Your brand. Our brand and bioinformatics. Yeah, I think I think yeah. that I think you're mostly involved with the research, and you've sort of forgotten the image, your website. So you're going to do something yeah. about that, but uh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you're in a good place. 
Yeah. So then you're going to say that in the, con in the microphone, I'm no, sorry. No, we, we really need to, to, to massively upgrade that, uh, the, the, the site, <laughs> and it will be completely different in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. You're going places. So thank you very much for being with me. Thank you. And this was Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central. I was speaking with Enios, Aristotele, Lefteri, and Yanis. And uh, we'll be back with them. Bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.